This is The Playbook. David, I'm so excited to be here with you today. Thank you for having me. And uh, we can't think of a better venue as they tear down the Metallica uh, stadium behind us to have the Chargers come and play, which we're both Charger fans. So yes, good awesome. to be in SoFi. <laughs> yes, for sure, always. You are an entrepreneur, a businessman, a family man, and a philanthropist. What are, or what is, or what are some of your most exciting projects that you are working on right now at the moment that you can talk about? Yeah, sure, I can talk about everything that I'm trying to do. Um, the content's my number one most exciting thing because I have a deal with Apple TV to develop entrepreneurial content. Uh, and I think the reason it's so exciting to me is my mission is to empower over a billion people to be happy and to have a bigger platform to teach entrepreneurship, business, uh, by the greatest minds. So I have a pitch only show. I've always had elevator pitch with entrepreneur, executive produced that eight seasons. But now these are my own shows. And uh, between the playbook, two minute drill and office hours, I've built quite a conglomerate of unbelievable minds that are empowering and giving their secrets to success, showing the common denominator of their desire to be what they must be. And so I think the content that's derived from the TV shows to the podcast to the different VIP dinners and meetups, all the different things we're doing, it's perpetual. So eventually we're going to get to over a billion people to teach them how to make a lot of money, help a lot of people and have a lot of fun. That's awesome. Can you share a pivotal moment in your career where you transformed a potential setback into a remarkable opportunity in how it shaped your business approach? So for me, it was definitely my bankruptcy. Um, but I have more than a bankruptcy because not only did I lose a tremendous amount of money, over $100 million, but I had to not only tell my mom, but tell my mom that I lost her house because I forgot to take my name off of her title. And so that radically humbling moment uh, taught me this lesson of protection and promotion, not punishment, because I was questioning my existence. I, my basement had a basement that day, and I thought about you know, my own journey and would I recover, would it be worth it? What would I do? How could I tell my mom? Like the amount of shame, blame, and justification on that day uh, created a pivotal moment, not because of me, but because of what my mom taught me that day. Because when I told her that I'd lost everything. I was just gonna ask, how, how did she react? Yeah, and my perception of how she would react compared to how she did were complete polar opposites. I said to her, mom, I've lost everything because I wasn't one to share my struggles with my mom. I always wanted her to be super proud of me. So it was shocking enough that I could lose over $100 million. But when I told her, and you have to move because I lost your home, the only reason I wanted to be rich was to buy my mom a house. I grew up with six kids, a mom who worked two jobs. They all went to the Ivy League. She gave her life and soul to me and my siblings. I could barely get it out. I was bawling. I could barely get it out. And then she said, are you okay? I thought, man, maybe she didn't hear me. I said, mom, I don't think you heard me. I, you have to move. I lost your home. I heard you. I can, I can realize that you were thinking in your mind, going back to that scene, right? As you were telling me this story. Oh, yeah. 
I she said I heard you. Are you okay? Do you need any money? And I just sat there thinking all the times my wife and my mom, my best friend said I was lost and I had the ignorant arrogance of I must know more than they know. Look at me. I have more money than I've ever dreamed of. I buy whatever I want when I want. I give money to charity. Everyone loves me in the world because of what I make. And that simple humility of what do you need? I, without any conditions or judgments of pure humility and, and love, unconditional love, no judgment of how did you do that? All she cared about was me and making sure I was protected and promoted. And then I realized as much as my mom, who doesn't know everything, always wanted to protect and promoted, promote me, I realized God did as well. And that no longer would I try to get more, like my mom taught me, there'll always be more if all you want is more. Buying more things, buying things to impress people you don't even like, buying different things. Instead, I was gonna change my life that day and I was gonna live with a faith that not only was my mom there to protect and promote me, my wife to protect and promote me, but God, a source of faith, of an omniscient, all-powerful, all-knowing God, that even though this seemed horrible, that this was an indicator that I had a better place to be and better situation to be in. And that day confirmed my faith and it allowed me to not only make more money than I've ever made, but help more people and have more fun and empower others to have the same faith of more than enough, not just enough. You know, in moments like this, I, I think that as parents and as educators and as entrepreneurs who desire to empower people, it's these moments, they are worth more than any, any um, teaching that something else could have given you, right? It's like, so the next time that you are at a circumstance where someone is the one who comes to you and say, Dad, I mess it up. But you know, something that really stands out to me on this too is the heart. I mean, I'm sure you didn't have a choice because at some point she would find out that right. you lost everything, including her home. But just to have this relationship where you can say, you know, I mess it up. Yeah. I, I did it. And, and that's where my values were also reaffirmed. So not only my faith, but being grateful for everything, finding the light, the love, and the lessons in everything, to be forgiving of myself so I could forgive others, like you said. So because I learned to forgive myself through my mom's forgiveness, I'm able to forgive so many other people to see how I can truly help, not concerning myself with me and my perspective, but be in a position of forgiveness of, okay, we've made a mistake. How can I be of service or value? What can I do to help? Do you need money? Do you need assistance can i make an introduction but that leads to accountability which gave me control of my life that i was here to learn lessons whether it's through responsibility or traction or just the mere ability to participate in a perception what was i supposed to learn so no longer would i live trying to get more in an interference but now i live in a world of more than enough a world of inspiration not interference yeah and what a, a great leadership style too, right? To have with your own team where 
Um, I constantly tell my team, I would rather you make a mistake really trying and using your gifts and your talents and going for it than not nah, for the fear of. Yeah, I used to give a dummy tax award so that everyone, when my company was smaller, I could afford to do this every week. But I'd go around the table and I'd say, what's the biggest mistake that you made that impacts our business? And what did you learn from it? And then whoever had the best lesson would get a bonus. So I'd encourage people to share their mistakes, encourage them to share the lessons for the betterment of everyone. That's awesome. I like that. Thank you for sharing. Um, so I'm sure that as a successful entrepreneur, you have received countless pitches, especially with the Apple TV shows, yeah. right? <laughs> Things that maybe you thought, oh my gosh, what, what is this coming from? Can you think of any like out of the box pitch that have come to you? Oh my gosh, there's so many. I mean, I have seen uh, people that have been able to convert trash into energy. Uh, the pitches of, you know, unbelievable. There was one, you know, just setting wise, there's someone pitching and literally had the nastiest, dirtiest fish tank Ooh. behind them while they're pitching. I, the biggest surprise I have is a generality that I've done eight seasons of elevator pitch, five seasons of two minute drill, and people still do pitches without ass. Like there's no ask. And one of the other lessons that I've learned is invisible assumptions, which is a mm. common one where people are so embedded and ingrained in their own business that they literally make these assumptions that you know what the heck they're talking about. Mm -hmm. And while they're talking, they're making these assumptions and they literally make no sense because they've assumed you know what they do and they haven't even told you what they do or they haven't made an ask. And I'll give a quick story on the elevator pitch. The very first season, I, Danica Patrick, me, it was, it was really fun, but fun team. We, we hadn't quite got the set down. So we had only one elevator and the concept of, two, of uh, elevator pitch was you get 60 seconds to pitch up in an elevator, then the four judges vote whether to let you out of the elevator, then you give more details to see if we fund you or not. Where two minute drills, just a pitch show where you win $50,000 of cash and prizes. So you could pitch something that doesn't exist, but if it's a super pitch, you can win. Yeah. Like your kid eating broccoli, that could win. In fact, one lady had in a past season, batshit crazy podcast and her pitch was batshit crazy. Okay. And so she won because it was a great pitch showing That's what awesome. that podcast would be like because yeah. she was batshit crazy. Um, but anyway, this guy pitches and we don't open the elevator, but we only had one elevator. So it would open and they'd have to walk past us after we rejected them. And this one guy was a little bit roided out and he freaked out on me and Danica, Kim Perel, and I forget who the other person was. And he's like, you, you know, attacking us. You oh made a gosh. stupid mistake. I, you know, and then he says, you know, I have $2 million in revenue. I can't believe you didn't even want to hear about it. I'm like, well, calmly, it would have been nice to know you had two minute, $2 million in revenue in your pitch. We probably would have opened it up, but just so you know, you never told us. And you just seen, but those are the, the fun yes, parts about TV, yeah. elevating the experience so people can get better at a crucial, very crucial part of business, which is the pitch. That's awesome. And um, I'm sure that as you have gone everywhere and have met so many people, I have constantly heard um, 
people say, you know, networking is so overrated. It's just like it's become a happy hour. People don't really um, go with intentions or ready for, for to be introduced or to introduce themselves or to go after whatever it is that they're going after. And I always say, well, that's a very, for sure, an amateur, you know, thought or place of thinking because a lot of what we do, even though we have gotten more modern and have technology of our favor, I can teach a class in South Africa at 2 a.m., wake up a few hours later and work out out of my TV and go to another event or, you know. But word of mouth is everything still, even with everything that we have. So networking is so powerful. And I've seen many times you talking about that. I have seen you networking, you at network events. So um, could you think of maybe a time where you've been to a networking event of any sort and, you know, with, without any really intention, you met someone that became a very interesting or fun or important partnership for you? Oh, absolutely. I mean, every time I'm at my office, we bring in so many people because I believe that we want to build a community of people that want to help each other and know people that can help each other. In order to do so, you need to make those asks in person, on the phone, via email, media, social and traditional media. And so for me, every time I come to my office, I have stories of unbelievable people. Uh, you know, just here I met Austin Eckler, Chicharito, Michael Chandler, like world famous Joe Dispenza, uh, you know, Tim Story, just amazing people. Now I provide that opportunity. So I do VIP dinners almost every week that are coordinated. I do free meetups, but I also bring in the biggest names. We just did Joe Dispenza last week in Santa Barbara. We had Major, Kian Vu. We had uh, Chad uh, Sanchagrin. We, all these people there. And I had dinner last night with Austin Eckler, who I met through networking. He's the running back for the Chargers, mm -hmm. for those that aren't yeah. Charger fans like you and I. He um, just got engaged. He just got engaged. Yes. And he Congrats. invited me to dinner. He got engaged Saturday, invited me to dinner. We're close friends, and I'm sitting there going, this doesn't happen if I don't meet him in person. Yeah. And he doesn't go and show up to my son's championship game to inspire the Pop Warner football team before they win the championship last year. And he's not there learning from me and meeting Jeff Hoffman from Priceline and Life Brand with TJ Kalazi. He's listing off like 10 people that he met. And the reason he thinks so highly of me isn't necessarily because of me, it's because of the networking that I provided him. So I think networking is everything. And it doesn't have to be in person, but one fourth of what you do should yeah. be in person, one fourth on the phone, one first via email, and then the other social and traditional media. Awesome, thank you. I do have a unscripted question. Yeah. Um, I met you at one of your events for the launch of the, your show at Apple TV when it finally went to Apple, which is so exciting and awesome for all the entrepreneurs all over the world. And I heard a little bit about your experience in Africa. Yes. Can you tell me a little bit of that? Yeah, so I'm the chairman of Unstoppable Foundation. Um, and uh, we build villages, schools, community centers, water, financial literacy. We have a whole curric curriculum led by the biggest brains in the world. Jack Canfield, Bob Proctor, Mary Morrissey. Uh, blessed to be part of that group. Cynthia Kersey, Blaine Bartlett. Um, but the reason is different. For me, um, the, the idea of eighth grade girls not being able to go to school 
because they have to carry water six miles a day and then be married off to men my age trading a, a sheep or a cow so their families can live was to me not it was a non-negotiable and for my wife and then to be able to bring my wife and my children to witness it and experience it and to see the joy uh, and the opportunity and options. We built an entrepreneurial school, a nursing school, a tourism school. We've built 17 entire communities, 17, thousands and thousands of people. We gave over a million meals during COVID. Uh, the impact that we have, and then people will argue with me, uh, Dave, what about our own, we have so much in our own backyard. I'm a oneness person. I, I start with my family. The majority of what I give is just for my family, and it should be for you too. Yeah. Then it's locally yeah. to my kids' schools and yes. Pop Warner teams, and then it becomes my state. Yeah. Then it becomes my country. But I'm not limited in my abundance. Yeah. So then I give to the world. Yeah. I'm the Chief Chancellor of Junior Achievement Worldwide. I'm also the Chairman of Unstoppable Foundation, yeah. mostly for Africa. But that doesn't stop me that I'm not part of the Boys and Girls Club and Big Brothers, Big Sisters. I just gave my daughter's sorority, you know, 185 outfits for their rush. That, that's not the same impact that I have in Africa, but I'm taking care yeah. of those things that are most relative to me. But we have to be one. And if you ignore any one of those, your family, local, your state, your country, or the world, it's not gonna help my family eventually right there's an old story about first they came for the the germans i wasn't german i didn't care then they came for the english i wasn't english then they came for the brazilians i wasn't brazilian then they came for the italians i wasn't italian i didn't care now they come for me nobody's left you know as an entrepreneur myself and i have been in pr and community involvement for years over 15 years now you're and, a baby huh you're a baby <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. My PR firm will be five years is October. So yes, a baby. I have been uh, in several different countries and have had a chance to meet entrepreneurs and to meet um, community stakeholders and those who are making a difference, especially when I was in the nonprofit world. I had a lot of opportunity to meet with, um, you know, change makers in this world and people like you. And I'm going to tell you, um, the, one, the biggest reason why I wanted to have you in our new podcast was because the first time that I met you and heard your story and I saw you speaking about Africa, everything else that you did and that you do is amazing to me. Your heart for your family. So everything that you're saying now is the very reason why I wanted to uh, have this moment where I could say, I can't believe it's you yeah, and that you're you. here thank and you. that I get to hear from you in person to share a little bit of your story. When I um, served in humanitarian work in Africa for about a year, I saw with my own eyes where what we do in our efforts can go so much further, right? But in the same boat as you, I have children who are here who have you know, a jiu-jitsu team here, who have a volleyball team that fundraises for shirts or whatever my community is doing. It's so important to be involved. And I thank you for being um, who you are, but also for sharing this message. There's so much goodness around what you're doing and your goal. Can you repeat that for us? Yeah. What's your goal? My goal is to empower over a billion people to be happy, to teach 
others to teach others how to make a lot of money, to live in abundance, to help a lot of people and have a lot of fun to be happy doing it. One of the things I'm sure you witnessed in Africa that I did that I, I teach gratitude is one of my values. How do you find the light, the love and the lessons in everything? And when you're walking into mud huts and all the different things that you see in Africa and you realize these kids and this mama is happier than my kids and my mama. Can you picture their smiles? I can. Oh, yeah. 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 You, it's, you don't just picture their smiles there. You feel. Yeah. There's a tonality influence in the energy and frequency and that they carry. Even when you drive to the village and you see these kids with nothing, maybe sometimes in a loincloth. Yeah. And they have tire as a sole on their, their thong shoes. And then you walk by and you just wave the happiness and joy, the love that you see and feel is extraordinary. And so for me to teach that light, love and lessons to those people that do have, if those people that don't have can have it, yes. is my mission. And you're gonna get there very oh, soon. All right, well with I'm people so like excited. you helping me. So excited, thank you. Thank you for sharing of your time with us today. I appreciate it. Thank Thanks, you. David.